Bob Fu used to pray that the Lord would protect Chinese Christians from prison. But after being imprisoned himself for his faith in Christ, the focus of his prayers has changed. He now asks the Lord to empower imprisoned believers to view their situation as a mission field. He now asks the Lord, Your will to be, be done. And uh, if, uh, if uh, this brother or sister is there for whatever months or years, you keep him, you strengthen him, you really give him the courage and, uh, and boldness to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm pleased to have in the studio with me today a, a friend of mine, uh, someone who's lived a rather incredible life. Bob Fu is the founder and president of the China Aid Association. He is also a former member of the Communist Party in China. He is a former student leader in Tiananmen Square, a former instructor at the Communist Party School in Beijing, and a former prisoner because of his faith and because of his Christian activity in China. Bob, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd, for having me. And I should say welcome back because you've been here with us before. I also want to remind our listeners, Bob is the author of a book called God's Double Agent. Uh, you can go online to our website, vomradio.net, click on the store link at the top of the page, and you can purchase a copy of that book. If you like Christian testimony books, God's Double Agent is perfect for you. If you like CIA spy novels, God's Double Agent is perfect for you, too. Uh, Bob's book is incredible. His story of his underground work in China, uh, jumping out of windows to get away from the police, lots of excitement. Uh, so I encourage you, come to vomradio.net, click on that store link, and buy a copy of God's Double Agent. We're going to be talking today with Bob about the church in China and some of the good news about the church in China, some of the bad news about the persecution that they're facing Bob, sort of for our, our new listeners or somebody who doesn't know a lot about the church in China, why does the government care if people go to church on Sundays in China? Why is that even an issue for the communist government there? Their natural kind of instinct is always about control, control and control. If they see this, uh, you know, not like uh, one million, not even 10 million, if they see tens of millions of Christians in you know, every given Sunday goes to go to church and to worship, you know, a God that much higher than themselves, than the Communist Party, made them nervous. I mean, they feel it's kind of a political threat. And it's just, you know, like uh, the, the early church when the Roman empires felt a kind of a threat when the churches, the believers worship a God that uh, uh, has a higher authority than them. You mentioned the issue of control, and I think that's so crucial for people to understand. The Chinese government uh, wants China's people 
their first loyalty to be to the Communist Party. If your first loyalty is to Jesus Christ, that's a problem for them. That's why the crackdown. And, you know, the big story over the last couple of years has been the destruction of church buildings, the tearing down of crosses, especially in Zhejiang province. Uh, What what do these destructions, what does that mean for the church, particularly in that province? What has that meant over the last two years? The kind of a so-called forced demolition of crosses and even some mega churches were totally leveled, destroyed um, in the past two years. It's really kind of a double sword. On the one hand, uh, it, it was uh, uh, almost uh, served as a wake-up call because most of this, uh, you know, 1,500 or some said even 1,800 churches where, you know, the crosses were being demolished uh, are predominantly government-sanctioned churches. I mean, these were supposed to be registered, legally protected, government-kind-of-controlled churches. And that's a huge issue because what we've heard from the Chinese government for the last 50 years about the house churches is, well, if these house churches would just register, then they'd be fine. There wouldn't be any more trouble. There wouldn't be any more persecution. That's right. This has really shown the fallacy of that position because— Many of these, as you say, most of them, they are registered churches, but the government is still coming in and cracking down. Share a little bit about some of these Christians. I know you spoke in our chapel service here at VOM this morning, and you told us the story of Pastor Wong, who spent 12 months in prison. But then when he came out of the 12 months in prison, he talked about how great it was. Share a little bit of his story, because I think it'll be an encouragement to our listeners to get a sense of the fact that even in persecution, even in suffering, these Chinese Christians are not silenced, they're not discouraged, they're not depressed, they're still doing amazing kingdom work. Amen. You know, this pastor Huang Yizi, he was a a three-self-church pastor, and um, back to uh, middle of 2014, when the surrounding uh, churches the crosses were forcefully demolished. He just organized some of the prayer meeting, you know, for the family members uh, who were persecuted and even, you know, being beaten up, sent to the hospital. He just tried to, to care. And, uh, and then he was arrested and sentenced to one year imprisonment for uh, a, a kind of manufactured charge of uh, disturbing social order for a prayer meeting. Yes. and um, organizing a prayer meeting. 12 months in prison. That that gives you That's a sense right. of, of yeah. what Chinese Christians and, are facing. Yeah, what um, made, made his imprisonment amazing was uh, after he was released from prison this August um, 2015. And uh, he said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, these uh, 12 months are really fruitful for God's mission. And among the 180 uh, Yemis, the prisoners who kind of uh, uh, he, uh, with whom he met during his imprisonment time, he said he led 100 to Christ. I mean, so he, in the course of his 12 months in prison, he was in contact with 180 different prisoners. A hundred of them accepted Christ, Christ and are following Jesus yeah. now. And among the 100, he said there is one of uh, a, a gangster leader in, his, in the community. Wow. And uh, kind of a big guy and uh, who totally surrendered his life to Christ. And he told Pastor Huang, he said, uh, I have uh, uh, a three-digit, he used three-digit, you know, 
my fellow soldiers, like gun, you wow. know, this uh, like this hooligans, yeah, gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "I will make sure every one of them, you know, to know Christ." I wow. mean, that was uh, when he uh, get out, and uh, so the other uh, eighty, so fifty of them have become fans of uh, Pastor Huang <laughs> and uh, at least no opposition for the gospel right. and promise to do follow-up. So only 30 of them are diehard uh, opposition. And uh, But at least he said he got 150 to take care of after yeah. he get, got out of prison. And uh, so he said that's the big uh, harvest for that 12 months. <laughs> and he is in prison and uh, he... He's now back to prison again after he declared independence. You know, it's interesting, and I and I think it illustrates so well the spirit of the persecuted church that we serve. Hey, I've got 12 months in prison. What am I going to do with myself? Oh, I know. I'll share the gospel with all these 180 people that I'm here in prison with. Full-time chaplain, he said. <laughs> Service. Prison chaplain inside the prison leads 100 of 180 to Christ. Another 50 are at least open to hearing more. What an amazing ministry. And as you said, he came out of prison saying, hallelujah, this has been a great time in my ministry. This has been wonderful. It seems like if I'm the Chinese government and I hear that, I'm going to stop putting pastors in prison. <laughs> if they are really, really smart enough. <laughs> if they were smart. Yeah, that's exactly right. What an amazing testimony of how... Uh, how God Can Work. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with uh, Bob Fu. He's the founder and president of the China Aid Association. He's also the author of a book called God's Double Agent. Bob, you spent some time in prison yourself because of your Christian work in China. Uh, and, and I want to ask you, when you were in prison, how did you hope that people were praying for you? What What were your thoughts as far as the body of Christ outside of prison how did you want them to be remembering you? I think really one of the the really the hardest thing uh, for a Christian prisoner is uh, you don't know whether any people know about you're in prison and uh, you, you feel, you know, segregated from the fellow body of Christ. So once you know that, uh, oh, somebody is caring through different ways, either prayer, and it's just uh, so much kind of recharging. I mean, I still remembered God used an interrogator, and uh, he encouraged me one day when the interrogator uh, kind of uh, slapped on the, on, the, on the table and, uh, and said, uh, like, you know, uh, many people are still caring about you. And uh, <laughs> so that really lit up my eyes and my soul and I feel oh that means somebody are remembering me in their prayer and uh, later on of course I even learned somebody even uh, deposit some money for my prisoner account and uh, improve my prisoner prisoner life dramatically by getting some instant noodles <laughs> and that was the best meal you know because that give you tremendous comfort not only the food but really you know you are connected reconnected with the yeah. whole body of Christ so the the most discouraging part is when you feel lonely cut off yeah. from mm. the body of Christ that's right and so when this interrogator said hey all these people are asking about you suddenly you know I'm not cut off. There's people who know I'm here. They're they're reaching out. They're praying for me. They're calling out on my behalf. 
uh, I think that's a pretty good lesson for our listeners. When you think about Christians who are in prison and, and you know, they're available from our website, they're available from persecution.com, from prisoneralert.com. You can write letters to Christians in prison. That makes a huge difference. And, and Bob has shared what a difference it, it makes. How did how did you feel once you found that out to know you're a part of the body of Christ? Did did it change the way you understood the scriptures and and the concept of the body of Christ? I, I think of the scripture that says, you know, when one part of the body suffers, we all feel that pain. Did you come to understand that in a in a new way while you were in prison? Absolutely. I mean, I still remember that it's kind of a, after I came to that realization that, oh, there, there must be many, many hundreds of thousands of brothers and sisters uh, throughout the world uh, are praying for me. And I could sense that, you know, the Spirit just uh, really kind of strengthen you uh, when even you see there's, uh, uh, you know, the, the fellow prisoner were beaten up in front of me and uh, there's, you know, some other prisoners were complaining about their life and uh, it make uh, uh, a more focused mission uh, and a mandate. <laughs> I, I feel, oh, you know, that's really God put me at that time for my mission field. So I feel more kind of uh, energetic, empowered, and uh, bold to share the gospel. And uh, they became my kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, sheep in my my ministry <laughs> field. And uh, uh-huh. I think your that's, little Bible study group right there in prison. Yeah, I led, uh, you know. This, the, the kind of my prison choir and, and I sing <laughs> songs and learn, you know, kind of uh, teach them. And uh, really, we worked uh, fantastic in a sense. Uh, I, I feel really blessed in that sense. How long did that transition take? Because I think for my own thinking, you know, if I was in prison, at least the first little while, I'd be kind of like, oh, this is terrible. What's, you know... It was. <laughs> Especially... So so how long did it take to come out of that sort of sense of, oh, this is the worst thing that could happen and transition to, hey, I'm not alone in here. God's got me here for a reason. How long did that all take? I think to me it was uh, about a week. And uh, I, you know, first uh, three days and nights, there's no sleep. It's a nonstop interrogation and uh, rough time. And uh, then after I, would put, I was put from... Uh, interrogation room to a prison cell with other prisoners, uh, and I, in the, initially my prayer was, uh, you know, to God, really take a heavy revenge against my interrogators. <laughs> so, Lord, give them a car incident, <laughs> so that they know God, that the servant of the Lord, should not be interrogated, should not be tortured. Amen. I think that would be my prayer too. <laughs> yeah. Lord, you get those guys back. Then, yeah, I settled, and sort of uh, after I realized, you know, really there's a mission. So I really felt settled in the prison, in the prison cell, and start really, you know, I think uh, prepare for the ministry, mm-hmm. the prison theology started. You mm-hmm. know, So how does that experience affect the way you pray now for brothers and sisters that are in prison? How do you pray differently because you've been there and you've experienced it? It really affects uh, my prayer in a sense, uh, you know, before you had that experience, you always felt, oh, you know, the misery, you know. I mean, prison is not a 
five-star hotel, you right. know, experience. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you have the five-star hotel, ex- you know, spiritual kind of uh, harvesting. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, you felt, you know, you, you, you may only have one-sided prayer, like, you know, Lord, you know, please get my brother out of prison to have him freedom. And I still pray that prayer, you know, if the Lord, Lord's will, just uh, don't let my brother and sister stay one more day in that dark sails. It's not really the, the, the nice experience, I mean, environment. But give me a diff- you know, different perspective of seeing, you know, Lord, yes, for your will, for your best purpose, me, your will to be, be done. And uh, if, uh, if uh, this brother or sister is there for whatever months or years, and uh, you keep him, you strengthen him, you really give him the courage and, uh, and boldness to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And like, you know, Pastor Huang's experience, without prayer, you know, maybe, you know, he will feel discouraged mm-hmm. as a senior pastor of a big church and all of a sudden, you know, end up in prison for doing nothing but a prayer service. And uh, for that realization, it really, you know, we, we pray that, you know, a greater harvest could be done, a greater, a better purpose could be done that, uh, you know, the won't feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also feel more urgent to pray for the the salvation of other prisoners in his cell because uh, nothing is uh, uh, by accident. You right. know, every one of the 180 prisoners to Pastor Huang's prison had a greater purpose than they realized. Mm-hmm. God kind of put a great neighbor, you know, in a sense, like, you know, we sit in an airplane. You know, it's not by accident Michelle or Luke sit, you know, in the same role in Southwestern Airlines, you know, <laughs> with you. There is some per- greater purpose. And that's a prayer for us, too, to keep our eyes open to see that purpose. But I, I appreciate that perspective of not just protection and not just, Lord, get them out of prison, but Lord, use them while they're in prison. Amen. Uh, as long as you have them there, use them, allow them to have a ministry mm-hmm. and, and to be effective for you. Bob, in your opinion, what's the greatest need of the Chinese church? In my opinion, I think uh, after like uh, in the past uh, two or three decades of a really big revival, I think uh, now really the church needs the most is a very solid kind of biblical training, you know, solid, biblical, and uh, systematic. And because now the, many of the urban churches are kind of uh, establishing themselves um, to be uh, ready for the above the ground, and especially the leadership training. And, um, I mean, look, in 15 years, by 2030, like it or not, you know, China will become the kind of country with the largest number of Christians, the 224 million. And um, the, by that time, according to the experience of uh, South Korea, you know, for instance, when the Christian population rise to 15, 20 to 30 percent, most of the, uh, you know, political, social, educational, justice, you know, leaders are predominantly will be Christians. I mean, in a sense, that's my worry is, uh, you know, are we ready? You know, are Christians ready to execute a Christian worldview behind the Chinese education system if the communists collapse, mm-hmm. you know, 
sooner or later, it yeah. will. Well, and, and when you talk about a nation, uh, it's a nation of over a billion people. But when you talk about 224 million Christians mm-hmm. in 2030, that changes everything for that, China. That's uh, right. I mean, that changes the country completely. Completely. Uh, and as you say, our, our prayer can be, God, prepare the church, prepare the believers, prepare the leaders uh, to be effective as they rise up in, in the society and in the country. One of the one of the consistent things that we see in in the persecuted church is the ability to forgive, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you talked about you know your initial prayer after being interrogated is God get those guys, yeah. uh, but at some point you come to the the willingness and the ability to say okay I forgive them. Mm-hmm. How does the Chinese church prepare Christians to be able to respond that way? To be able to mm-hmm. respond with forgiveness instead of anger and revenge and all of the kind of natural human responses when we're attacked? Oh, that's a very good, I think, perspective and very good question. I remember when the apartheid ended uh, in South Africa, you know, the first committee or commission is called Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You know, in China, it's more boiling than that because the communist has committed so much crimes almost against, uh, you know, every family hold has a tragic stories, you know, either through forced abortion, you know, forced sterilization, the tragedy impacted all families to enormous social injustice because of corruption. I mean, millions of Chinese are ready to take revenge. I mean, if I were Communist Party leaders, I will feel really insecure. You'd be scared. And uh, they should be really... <laughs> you know, turn to Christians for help because really the Christians, we have the unique, really, the faith that can forgive and are enabled to forgive by the Holy Spirit of our enemies. I, I just read a story this morning, uh, a letter written by one of the top human rights, Christian human rights lawyer, Kevin, you know, John Kay. He was arrested his mom wrote a letter and uh, said, oh, you know, after John Kev was arrested, she had received so many phone calls and letters from those petitioners, those who, whose rights were violated, that uh, the, her son defended for them. And uh, many of them said, you know, we, if, uh, if, uh, if not because of your son, you know, the, this uh, Christian lawyer's Kevin's help, I would have already brought a bombing campaign, you know, wow. revenge and kill a lot of officers. Um, and uh, because of your son's help and uh, from a Christian perspective, you know, the chose the peaceful way. I mean, that's that's exactly, I think the Communist Party should really be thankful that, yeah. the, you know, many of the leaders are not killed by this day. <laughs> I mean, there's one guy who took revenge. Um, his name is Yang Jia because he was bullied by the police forces. And when he rode a bike without a license, a bicycle wow. without a license in Shanghai, he was beaten up and tortured, and then he could not really hold that on. He went back one day with a knife to kill seven police officers. Wow. One day. I mean, he was, of course, executed. I mean, but he became an instant national hero. Instant national because hero. Because he fought back. Yes. And there's so much anger oh. and animosity. There is a, uh, really a storm, I mean, a kind of, uh, you know, being boiled there. So how does how is the church different or why is the church different or how do you 
how do you teach people, hey, when you go to the police station and they're going to be rough with you, you have to love them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I think that is the uniqueness of uh, what Christ teaches and also what he has demonstrated on the cross, right? I mean, the famous same repeatedly is uh, when Christ was crucified unjustly and uh, really as an innocent, godly man, a garden man, and uh, he was not calling for his followers to arm themselves, to take revenge against Roman soldiers. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them because they, don't know, they know not what they're doing. And uh, I mean, look, this uh, like the Shuwan Church. There, in the past four years, several hundred of believers were arrested and roughed up, and even you know, one female believer was even raped. And uh, wow. yet, I re- read a small note he, she wrote, and uh, she said, at the end of the day, she finally found peace and uh, and decides to forgive even the rapist, the police wow. officer. I mean, that kind of powerful, you know, only really from the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And his, her pastor, Pastor Jin Tianming, who has been under house arrest for four years and still is under house arrest, and now had made the greatest friends with those who are monitoring and following <laughs> him and uh, outside his apartment because there's, every day there's guards over right. there. And he cook. Uh, teas and make Chinese dumplings for them during the winter. You know, his wife shows sympathy and and hand the cup of hot water. I said, you know, please. You know, so the, we know. So they're serving the guards, the persecutors, the persecutors <laughs> that are sent to monitor them and to keep them under house arrest. They're giving them tea and food and cooking for them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, and I think for our listeners, this is not something we only see in China. We see it in the Middle East. We see it around the world. And there's no human explanation for that. There is only the supernatural explanation that God has supernaturally empowered me to love you, uh, which is an incredible witness. That because there's no other way to explain it. It doesn't even make sense, humanly speaking. That's right. It only makes sense in the light of of Jesus and in the light of his love shining through us. We've been speaking today with Bob Fu. He is the founder and president of the China Aid Association. Hopefully we've lengthened your prayer list for the country of China, uh, for the officials there, for those Christians who are in prison. If you want to learn more about Bob and about China Aid Association, their website is chinaaid.org, chinaaid.org. You can find the latest information about China. Uh, You can find out about Bob. Also, come to vomradio.net. If you click on the store link, you can order a copy of Bob's book, God's Double Agent. I strongly encourage you to read it. It is outstanding. Uh, Don't start it late at night, though, because you won't be able to put it down and you won't get any sleep that night. Uh, But it is a fabulous story of of God's work in Bob's life and and Bob's exciting life serving the Lord uh, in China and now serving the Chinese church from a distance in the United States. Bob, thank you very much for being our guest. It it is always a pleasure to have the chance to, to talk with you about the church in China. My pleasure, Todd. Thank you for having me. If you missed any of our conversation with Bob Fu, you can listen to this program again at vomradio.net. That's also where you can find the archives of all our past episodes of VOM Radio. And let me ask you to think about this. Who could you listen with? 
Invite your children, invite young people at your church, invite other Christian friends to listen with you. Perhaps God's going to use these stories to give them a heart for persecuted Christians, or perhaps even to call them into a life of full-time gospel service. So I encourage you to listen together at vomradio.net. You can also subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast. You'll find that link also at vomradio.net. I just had the privilege of being part of a Voice of the Martyrs team that traveled to northern Iraq. I'm excited to share with you some of the stories of our trip to introduce you to some of the people that we met. We'll be talking about that next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.